Protects Kelly Alley, Crowdfunding, Sonoma County, Startup, Lord Sandwich, and Beating Cancer. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. I live in London selling cases of damn fine California wine across Europe for the Tolado family. And this podcast is about California, the Golden State, my home state, and its awesome wines. This week, I'm interviewing the owner of Smith Story Wine Cellars in Sonoma. Every week, we're going to have some fun and ultimately improve your boozing. This week, I'm chatting with Tex Kelly Alley. No, not a female rodeo star, but an amazing woman who, along with her husband, literally kickstarted their winery, Smith Story Wine Cellars in Sonoma, via crowdfunding platform, kickstarter.com. And in 2014, their dream to craft and sell wine, their own wine, came true. My guests decided to settle and make wine in Sonoma County due to the wine-producing region's numerous and varying microclimates. She strongly believes that in order to make great wine, one must respect what the land has to offer, and wine must be an expression of each specific vineyard site. Smith Story Wine Cellar's mission statement holds true to this day. Simply put, they are family-owned and will only work with organic, family-owned growers. They source grapes from 12 growers in Sonoma County, from vineyards located on Sonoma Mountain, and in the Alexander and Russian River Valleys. The Smith Story wine cellars are made in a custom crush facility in Sonoma. A custom crush facility offers wine equipment and resources provided by a management team to make wine for many people. It can be an awesome way to make wine without the overhead and capital investment of buildings one's own winery. Hey, let's get back on the road and meet this week's guest. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. So buckle up. Here we go on the road. A quick word from the buyer. The buyer.net is your connection to the premium on trade. The buyer.net is your on trade platform, linking key industry leaders, influencers, producers, and suppliers in order to improve reach and awareness in the UK hospitality sector. My guest this week, after a decade of running her Austin, Texas-based boutique sales and marketing firm for wineries and importers, decided it was time to start her own winery. Her and her husband, who is also a co-founder and winemaker, raised 100% of their seed money, their startup money through crowdfunding, the first winery to be fully crowdfunded in California. She's also a breast cancer survivor and helps other women who are stricken with this terrible disease. You're on the road with Mr. California Wine. And my guest this week is Allie Smith Story president and co-founder of Smith Story Wine Cellars in Sonoma. Allie, nice meeting you. Thanks for being a guest of my podcast, On the Road with Mr. California Wine. Welcome. How are you today? Great. Thanks for having me on. This is really cool. So I see you're sitting in a a barrel room. Where, Where are you right now? We're in uh, Sonoma, just downtown, a little bit east of downtown Sonoma on 8th Street East. There's a, a cluster of, I don't know, there's probably 50 wineries right here with pretty high-end winemaking uh, facilities and cellars. Not open to the public here, though. Um, really a true winemaking space and a bit of a shared economy. We crush under obsidian wine, 
and our tasting rooms about, gosh, an hour and 22 minutes exactly <laughs> north in the town of Healdsburg off of West Side Road. Let's just jump, jump around a little bit. So right off the bat, if people want to come and visit your Smith Story Cellar Wines, where do they go? They go to they go to Healdsburg to your tasting yep. room, right? Yeah. We're about a minute off of uh, Highway 101, just west of downtown Healdsburg. So I I love downtown Healdsburg. What are the tasting room hours? We're open Thursday through Monday. Um, you know, appointment uh, preferred, but walk in friendly. Okay. Um, you know, it's just my husband and I and our hospitality director Dusty Rhodes. And our two dogs. So we definitely, you know, planning ahead is really cool because we like to do um, a few things that are special if we know who's coming. So. Okay. Pretty much 11 to 4 every every one of those days. Thursday through Monday. Okay. And then, okay, I got your tasting room manager. You said director, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Our hospitality director, Dusty Ann Rhodes. How about that name? <laughs> so is it related to the re- the wrestler, Dusty Rhodes? No, she's not. She's a, she's a, a great, um, really a musician from New Orleans uh, that got into the wine business over a decade ago. And uh, it's just one of the most wonderful, um, powerful hospitality professionals that we've been able to to meet and, and work alongside with. So is she, she runs pers- a did she perform at the tasting room ever? Did she ever no, play we've some got music? A vintage, yeah, we've got a vintage piano in there, and uh, we've we've got some music things going on in there. That's for sure. That is so cool. We're going to give a shout out to Wendy Lemaire, owner of the Disco Ranch in Boonville, California. She was on a couple weeks ago. What's the connection? How do you know Wendy? Well, I know Wendy. Um, so Smith Story, um, we've had a tasting room in the Anderson Valley where the Disco Ranch opened. And our tasting room was located in Philo for about five years. And Wendy came in and opened the Disco Ranch in 2019 when we were still there. And that's when we met. And uh, she's just a like-minded wine professional, wine drinker, traveler. And we just instantly hit it off. So she's become one of our dear friends, um, you know, personally and professionally. You know, her shop is it's just a gem. Um, a lot of local uh, wines that she focuses on, but also one of the best international sets. I always say north of the Golden Gate Bridge. It's pretty, pretty special. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. I mean, she's been in the trade for over yeah. 40 years and yeah, I'm yeah. looking forward to check out the, the disco ranch. So let's talk about Smith Story Wine Cellars. What inspired you? Well, first let's take a step back before you started your own label What's the story there? Because you said you and your husband are involved. So what are your roles here? Yeah. So Eric and I actually met uh, working at KNL Wine Merchants down in San Francisco, Redwood City, where he was uh, a wine buyer for, gosh, two decades almost. And so uh, before Smith's story, um, gosh, I kind of segued into the wine world in 2003 and was working for KNL. And that's when we met. Okay. Um, yeah, we met um, over wine and the love of wine. And fast forward uh, many years, um, I grew up in Texas and, and moved back to Texas to start my own agency called Texacali Wine Company um, for many years, where I helped producers all over the world with their Texas regional sales and marketing. Uh, had a portfolio of about 300 wineries. So fast forward a little bit more. Uh, I moved back to California and uh, Eric and I picked up an old friendship 
And when the word spread that we were dating, uh, the next thing out of everybody's mouth is like, you guys have got to start your own winery. You've been helping so many other people for so many years. You know how to do this. So interesting. Outside of San Antonio, I've been on the San Antonio wine trail. Were you working with any of those? No, no, no Texas producers. I no, Texas. With, no, oh. um, helped, you know, companies like uh, the Monte family in Burgundy and Dennis okay. Williams, Eric Solomon, Vine Connections, and, you know, a pretty, pretty stealth list of California wineries as well. So. Okay. So who makes, who makes the wines? Who makes your wines? Yeah, so Eric, Eric actually left KL just as a sabbatical leave a few times to work with Johannes Leitz over in the Rheingau in Germany. So that's where his winemaking background comes in. And then we also, he's a winemaker along with Katie Wilson. And Katie Wilson is our, gosh, been our consulting winemaking powerhouse since the very beginning. 2014 was our first vintage. Um, Katie's uh, label is La Rue, so West, uh, Far West County, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. Okay. Um, she's got her own small portfolio of helping others as well. So your role, are you more like sales operations then your role? Yeah, so, you know, Eric does all the kind of the supplier relations. I do too. Um, he does heads up the winemaking, a lot of logistics um, in our business, obviously. Um, okay. I, I handle most of the business side, sales side, marketing side. I'm kind of the, the CEO of our small company. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a dream one day to maybe become just the CMO. Um, I, my <laughs> love is marketing and sales and all the other stuff is the soul sucking part of running a small winery. <laughs> you guys reconnect. And then really, I mean, friends are saying, you know, you should start, you know, your own winery. So what inspired you? Was it these friends who said you got to do this and that's what motivated you or what was the big moment? I mean, I think the big moment was us realizing, Hey, we're, we're 40 now, or I was 40. He was a little younger. Um, you know, what does our future look like? Um, you know, in my role running my own portfolio and working for others, you know, about a minute or two after I hit my, my big sales goal and made somebody a ton of money, commissions are lowered, my position changes and I got to start all over again. So I thought, you know what, why am I doing this for so many others when things are always going to change If things are always going to change It might as well be our own destiny. So um, and I think Eric was at a place at KNL that he kind of worn all the hats. Um, and he was at a place where I don't think he could have um, progressed any further as well. So we knew um, we knew it was going to be a really big jump um, and a very challenging jump. And um, we actually utilized Kickstarter.com in 2014 to launch. So we were the first winery to uh, use a crowdfunding platform to get our story out. Wow. Okay. So what year was that? That was in 2014. And our, our campaign was Family Farmers First. And we really wanted to explain to the world that we weren't trying to raise capital to buy a big Taj Mahal type of winery in the Napa Valley or buy a lot of land that we really wanted to start with contracting with family grape growers um, and family grape growers in the Anderson Valley, Mendocino and Sonoma County in California. So this is crowdfunded. You use kickstarter.com. How long did it take? I'm just curious. By the time you put together, say, like a mission statement, a business yeah. plan, how long did it take to, to, uh, to raise enough money to get, yeah, so to get to where you are now? That's a great question because, you know, we worked on our business plan overall for a few years before we told anybody. 
Um, and so by the time we had kind of targeted, all right, we're going to start Kickstarter August of 14, that whole summer we were working on the launch of that campaign. So when you run a Kickstarter or a crowdfunded campaign, it's really like launching a little mini business. Mm-hmm. It's all the same elements. Um, you know, we asked for $25,000 to get started. I wish we would have asked for $5 because that's what you really need out here to do it well and to sure. do it right. Um, but we use that more as a marketing um, opportunity and to get our word out uh, to the world. And it worked. So we ended up raising about $26,000 in 30 days. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's the limit. I think Kickstarter gives you that's the max amount of time you can run a campaign. And our campaign was Family Farmers First. So it really allowed us to explain to the world how most of the wine is made in the world this way and supporting, you know, those families that have been doing their thing for years. I mean, what a pleasure to support them and, and actually fulfilling and allowing us to really focus on what we do best and you know, being the shepherd of those grapes. So we're talking about the business model in terms of your sourcing fruit from family farmers. So how does that work? Obviously, you know, you got to make, you got to make money. So you got to re to reinvest in the business, to grow the business and the yeah. people who who've helped finance this business, do they get a return on this investment after a period of time where just people donating their money yeah. to your business? Yeah. So the Kickstarter is purely a gift. It was purely okay. a gift. Well, I think laws have changed um, since then, um, but we did we did bring on a private investor in seventeen um, to help us with some capital needs, and we're actually in the middle of replacing them right now and making a big jump in our our growth and and scaling some brands that we've we've made. So, um, you know, we're at that nine year mark, and we've had obviously a lot of challenges with pandemics and tariffs and fires. And I you know, throw beating breast cancer in there the last couple of years. So yeah, crazy last couple of years for you personally and for, you know, the, for the public in general. So just one last thing. Okay. So like kickstarter.com, it's a gift. You raised $26,000. Do you know who I'm just curious, do you know who's giving you the money? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all the backers, I think we had about 150 backers. Um, yeah. We asked our friends and family not to give to the last minute if we needed them. We wanted to, you know, really reach new um, support. A large part of our supporters were already following us online a little bit. Um, okay. We have a, a famous dog on Instagram. Yes. And Lord Sandwich was able to to tell the story to his followers. And I mean, to this day, I'd say that ninety nine percent of those backers are are good friends of ours, and still and are. And and they're like what wine club members as well, stuff sure. like that. Absolutely, you know the the way the laws work. Since we're a winery, as a gift, um, backers could not receive wine. So we we had to say that, like you're going to get a thank you card, you're going to get maybe a photo. Um, top tier givers get you know an afternoon in the vineyard with us. So, sure. Um, it wasn't much. So we really we really brought people in that believed in our ability to make a future together and with this winery, which is pretty special. Great story. A lot of people out there helping you out. Was that like your biggest fear or challenge? Not knowing whether you're going to realize your dream and get this money to, to start out? I'd say no. Um, you know, we were pretty confident. We've been, we've both been successful. I, I, I have, my whole career has been in sales and marketing. So I wasn't worried about that part. I think our biggest fear was what we didn't know. 
what don't we know about running a small winery in California? A lot um, of regulation. Not, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And I think that fear is still there, you know, like what's in the mail today? You know, what, what, you know, it's, it's a lot of that small business fear. Sure. Um, you know, I think nobody knew, um, you know, going into starting anything at that time that we would have wildfires um, in wine country. So I yeah. think that really shifted our fear and um, you know, we didn't, we weren't able to make any wine in 2020. And so um, even looking at inventories now, we are. Well, no at- red, no red wine in 2020, right? You made some white, white wine. No, no white wine or red. We made zero wine in 20. So. I mean, obviously that has a financial impact on the business. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You mean you talk to wineries like Chimney Rock and Napa or, or you know, our properties, Chimney Rock, Rutherford Hill, you yeah. talk to Raffinelli's in Sonoma, you know, Elias Fernandez and Schaefer. They said, you know what? We're not making any wine. That's, you know, there are financial consequences to that, right. you know, decision, but at the same time, you know, maybe, you know, credibility of the winery is going to cost you a lot more if you put something out there that's not going to taste great, right? And that's exactly our decision. You know, just the, those fires and smoke were just at the worst time of the growing season. So, um, you know, where it hurt us the most is just power and inventory. Um, we've had to scale back our national wholesale footprint because of that and work with what we have um, more of a D2C focus here for a bit. So part of our, our new chapter in scaling up is obviously growing um, more tonnage, growing more wines, working with um, some some new labels that are coming into play under our Smith Story umbrella um, to support some national programming that way. And then, you know, COVID, everybody's impacted, especially, you know, if your business model, well, is say on premise in the States, you're pretty much shut down for the better part of two years. So for those two years, was it just majority DTC and some retail then some like fine wine shops for your wines? How did you, how did you maneuver through that period? You know, I think because of Kickstarter, we always have had a pretty strong online game. So um, when we were closed down and not allowed to have people inside, we said, all right, well, Bay Area, we're coming to you. So we did a porch delivery in every region of the Bay Area for almost five five to six months in 2020. Um, and I think between Eric and I, we delivered about 600 orders um, to Bay Area fans uh, of Smith Story. And Definitely helped the restaurants that were still um, able to sell wine. Um, you know, we didn't sell a lot in retail. Um, we knew everybody's watching inventories in 20. You know, I think last year it really affected us more um, in general because, you know, finally restaurants are getting up and going again. You know, the markets that we were about to open in 2020 are now knocking on our door. Oh, crap, we don't have all that wine anymore. You know, so... Um, you know, I think right now the last 12 months has been a little more challenging than all of 20. Okay. Um, you know, honestly, due to the mix of, uh, restaurants closing, restaurants opening and not having, you know, a, a big inventory right now. The impact from 2020 just carries over. You mentioned, you know, and you check out the website, you know, your story, you're fighting COVID. You've got mm-hmm. fires in the valleys, Napa, Sonoma, Personally, also, you're a breast cancer survivor. So when were you diagnosed? And uh, knock on wood, I what you're, you're beyond that now? I am. Congratulations. Like, no longer in my body. Um, Good. You know, say, you know, get rid of your stress. So I'm like, huh. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Wrong business. <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, it was, it was a pretty intense road, but, um, somebody told me in the very beginning, Hey, this is going to be the hardest next 12 months of your life. Just remember it could be worse. Just get after it. So that's what I did. And, um, I think I credit a lot of things. I, I was able to keep my mind pretty positive. Um, Smith's story is my husband and I's livelihood. So um, running the business from you know my uh, infusion chairs and and not really taking a lot of time off, just keeping busy and active. Um, unfortunately, I think that our biggest decision during that time was to move out of the Anderson Valley, uh, which is bittersweet. It's a what magical- year. What year was this? Twenty one. Twenty one. Okay. And so we were able to find a brand new uh, tasting room opportunity uh, where we are now. And our permit, I think, flipped around Thanksgiving of 21. But that whole time during my breast cancer treatment, I was physically moving a tasting room and every single thing. Um, so that was some silver lining to, to stay physical and, and keep and keep my uh, kind of my mind really busy on other things. Too. Yes. Stay distracted. Stay busy. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and as opposed to maybe feeling sorry yourself for getting sad, try and keep like a positive outlook because you're like, you're working on building a business, right? So a lot to live for. So congratulations. So you're now, can, you're now cancer free. I am. I am. So That's it's nice to say that. And, you know, the silver lining too is uh, just being on somewhat of a platform with the winery and a leadership role having some pretty big online presence. I am, I have been able to help a lot of other women and a lot of families maneuver, particularly that very first part of being diagnosed. It's the scariest part. Um, yeah. I'm kind of walking the the talk and, and living strongly and bravely um, through that whole thing. So. And being a model for somebody else saying, yes, you can get through this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm very happy for you. That is, that is great. Ellie. Let me ask you this. You said you're just, just outside or you're in Sonoma, you're using a custom crush facility. Why Sonoma? What's the attraction to Sonoma? No, well, I think Sonoma, you know, it's, what is it? Five times the size of, of the Napa Valley region that the world really knows. Um, but the amount of microclimates is just a wonderland in Sonoma County. Um, you've got so many options um, and bridles and, you know, really our technique and our focus and our style is very old world. I would say, you know, a lot of people compare us to Loire Valley, particularly our, our Cab Francs and our, our Sauvignon Blanc. So we really sought out um, some vineyards and, and areas in Sonoma County and Mendocino County that emulate some of our favorite places over, you know, in Europe. So how many across Sonoma, Mendocino, yeah. how many families or how many vineyards are you sourcing from? And give me an idea where s- some of these vineyards are located. Yeah, on average, about a dozen. Um, okay. And you kind of think about where the sun shines the, the warmest, you know, our, our Bordeaux bridles are typically over in Sonoma Mountain. Um, okay. Or the Glen Allen area it still gets that nice coastal influence at night. Um, and then uh, majority of our Pinot Noir has always been up in the Anderson Valley. Uh, we say that's the motherland of the Pinot Noir we love in California, but we do dabble in Russian River. And then I think that, you know, it really comes down to also sustainability and 
the particular vineyards. Each individ individual vineyard needs to be organically farmed. Um, it doesn't need to be next to a cannabis grow or down the hill from one. You know, there's lots of okay. things to look into before we say yes to a new vineyard partner. Why farming organically? Why is that so important to you? You know, I think number one for health reasons. We wish it was less expensive um, to do so because when you know, we farm organically, your your labor is way up, and that's probably been our biggest challenge with working with small farmers not having the labor. So we've really had to work with them and increase, um, you know, what we're paying to support that. Um, you know, I think Eric and I before we started Smith Story, like we buy. 90% of our 99% of our groceries, you know, organically or okay. that are, so. So it's a mind, it's a mindset for you. Yeah, absolutely. How many wines are you making? How many different wines? Uh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, it really depends. Um, I think right now less than 10. Um, okay. We have Eric story selections and import side that we're making our rosé and our Riesling from the Rheingau um, before the tariffs kind of, kind of put a halt on that in 18. Um, you know, we were just bringing over about a container of wine and uh, with 20, the tariffs increasing the prices and 20s uh, wholesale map kind of deflating on us. We put that on hold. But I'd say, you know, a healthy year for us is about 10 different wines and they're and, seasonal. Yeah. Right. And what's what's total case production, on, not including 2020 normally? Right, right. right around 4,000 cases a year. And then you said, so you maybe look and take it on a new investor because you want to scale, right? Yes. How, I mean, ideally, what, what size do you, what size do you want to be at? So you can not only cover costs, but also have a nice, enjoy a nice lifestyle. Where do you want to be at? Have a, we call it have a Sunday off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, that seems to be what I'm needling right now. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm an old Texan, so I'm definitely of that book, go big or go home. Right. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. Um, if you look at Smith's story on a page, you know, we're the, we're the mothership. Um, Smith's story can be pronounced in every part of the world. It could be spelled. Um, it's very scalable. Um, but we've also created uh, a couple of different labels. Lord Sandwich Wine is a wine that gives back. Uh, it's a small charity that we also started that with every bottle that sells, a new pair of socks is given to a family. Right. So we've got some pretty big national retailers wanting to help us grow that. Okay. Um, and then uh, the Brave Wine is another new label that started during uh, 2021. And it's been significant in helping me tell my survivorship story. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Okay. So your Brave Wine tells your cancer surviving story, right? We've got some things. So it's it's really, you know, I think ideally uh, we want to grow this business to probably 50,000 cases at a minimum. Wow. Fantastic goal. Well, you know, there's a lot of mediocre wine out there. So if we can put really good wine out there, let's do it, you know? Why not? Okay. That's cool. So 4,000 want to scale to 50,000. There's opportunity there. Let's talk about a couple of your wines. I like mm -hmm. some of these names. So- yeah. 2019, you mentioned, you know, you're getting Pinot from, from Anderson Valley. 2019, hell of a vineyard, yep. Pinot Noir. So that's the name of the vineyard, hell of a vineyard. Name of the vineyard. Supposedly, um, Mila Hanley of Hanley Cellars named the vineyard after her first uh, walk to check out some new grapes and said, hey guys, it's a hell of a vineyard you got there and it's stuck. So 
Um, it's been our number one selling Pinot. And I think, you know, it's fantastic Pinot Noir. It's won all sorts of awards and reviews and kind words. But um, it's it's really fun to say. And I think uh, when it's placed on a wine list, it's really a go-to for for people on dates, people wanting to show off a fun wine. It's really, it's been a fun wine to have. So, How many cases of this wine will you make, this hell of a vineyard Pinot Noir? Yeah, so at the most, we've made a little bit over 500. So, um, Okay. And it's and 100%. That, it's 100% Pinot, obviously, yeah. 100% Pinot, and it's, Pomard, it's a Pomard clone. So um, it's a serious wine with a kind of a whimsical name. So, Yeah, very cool. And is this all DTC, or does it get some restaurant distribution as well? It's a restaurant, a little bit of retail as well. So, um, does it, and yeah. is that is that all is that all retail and restaurant? Is that all local, like Sonoma, or does it branch out a little bit? No, it's it's been a little bit more. Uh, before twenty, we were gosh in fourteen states, but now we're just in the Illinois market, Texas, and North Carolina and California. Oh, um, cool! Yeah, so we we want to get back in the Mid Atlantic. We're about to open Florida, New York, and New Jersey. Sorry, I've got a pup that just crawled up next to me. <laughs> but that that's not Lord Sandwich, right? No, this is soup. I don't know if you can see. Soup is a... Hey, soup. Bag. <laughs> hey, soup. I need you to get down, okay? <laughs> do, you have a, do, you have a, do you have a soup label coming out? I don't think so. I think he's just going to be the little brother and, and the next, you know, greatest all-time winery dog, so... Yeah, no, that's cool. But you know what? That's probably not a good like way to describe a wine either, soupy, no, right? No. It doesn't it doesn't work? Okay, and then also um, when it's your 2022 Smith Story Wine Cellars Brave. Okay, we're talking about this early, but carbonic maceration Zinfandel. You know, I've tasted some carbonic maceration wines. You know, it's, it's a technique they use a lot in Spain and in Rioja. But why yeah. why why carbonic maceration for this uh, Zinfandel? Well, you know, we started off with using Syrah um, in 21. Okay. And we wanted to do a carbonic wine in general. And so that's kind of what kicked it off. So the Zim for us is from the Russian River Valley. I don't think we would have chosen to work with Zinfandel if it was from another region. The Zin and, and the Russian River, you know, it's it's a little more Pinot Noir-like. Yeah, lighter, um, I would think. And I can't think there's much planted as Zinfandel either in in, uh, yeah, in Russian River Valley. Yeah, okay. I wouldn't. I don't know how many people have planted new Zen, but there's some pretty cool, you know, old vine Zen and the old Goldridge, you know, sandy, loomy, loyal um, soil. So um, we love it. It's juicy. We drink a, a decent amount of Cru Beaujolais as well, and you know, Gamay, and of course, some beautiful wines from Spain. It's the freshness, I think, that we were really focused on. Okay. Um, worked you know this zen is picked a little bit earlier um so the alcohols aren't crazy um i think this one came in at 13.5 and it's okay wine. i mean we're we're definitely seeing out here on wine list uh now there's a whole uh, section on wine list of red chilled wines and i love that um so whether they're carbonic wines or even like our cabernet franc is wonderful chilled in the summertime so I agree, especially as the weather warms up. I've always, I mean, Zin's one of my favorite grape varieties. Obviously, different styles. Uh, Zin, I'm not sure I've had Zinfandel from the Russian River Valley, but I, you know, I would assume because it's cooler, it's going to be lighter in style. But yeah, I mean, I think Zin, especially like barbecue, some of it's you can throw it on ice for a couple minutes and it tastes great. 
Yeah. Get your hands on an old Joseph Swan Zinfandel. That's kind of our grand poopa of all Russian River Zinfandels. So well, you know what? Now that you said that, I've actually had that. They sell Joseph Swan um Zinfandels um at Whole Foods here in London. And I have had it before. Yeah. But it's been uh it's been a long time and I forgot that was uh, uh Russian River Valley. So looking to scale 2023. We finally get a lot of rain in January. We've been 10 years in drought. Are you looking to make a little more wine uh, this year? Um, The weather's been wild. You know, we had a lot of rain and it's been very cold. So we're about a month behind, I think, in the growing season. Mm -hmm. Um, We still have friends that have um, flowering going on in their vineyards. So a later harvest. Yeah. A later harvest Um, this week, actually, or this weekend, starting probably this afternoon, we're having a bit of a heat dome, they call it. So we'll have temperatures in the hundreds. So that's going to speed up some things I think that have been behind. But we also know that there it's an El Nino year. And we've also been reading and been told that we may see some rain during harvest this year. So that's tricky. It's tricky. It's tricky. But you know, it's, it's our job to as long as there's no, you know, smoke and fire out there, it's our job to handle what Mother Nature serves us, right? Exactly. We've been it, pretty lucky to be shepherds and um, pick at the right time and farm the right way. And uh, this is just another year. we got to really focus on our farming. So, you know, when it comes time to pick, and you're right, I mean, last couple of years around Labor Day, you get these Labor Day heat spikes, especially with Pinot Noir, then you have to maybe decide... Do you pick now? Do you wait it out? Um, lots of different decisions to make in the vineyard. Your relationships with these, say, like 12 growers, you can tell them when to pick your fruit? 100%. So, you know, 100%. I think the hardest thing about being a small grower isn't really that. It's it's the logistics of getting the trucking companies to come pick up your grape bins. So, oh, because you're at the back of the queue. Yes. Yes. So it's really, there's, uh, there's this whole logistic thing that goes on for small wineries. And that's our biggest anxiety, I think. Um, Cause we know when the grapes are going to be ready, you know, we, we pretty confident when we make those pick dates, but then all of a sudden, oh, wow. Can we get a trucker there at, at midnight or 10 o'clock at night after the sun goes down? And that, can that be, you know, trucked back to Sonoma before the sun comes up? All right, now let's go work the winery, you know, somebody else processing a bunch before we are. So, um, you know, it's, we're, we're good at it now, but it's still, it still kind of worries us a bit, you know, particularly when there's a mad rush, there's a rainstorm over a weekend or a heat spike, you know, there's, there's a flutter of activity that normally would be a little more, um, just a little more settled and chill. So, yeah, well, you know, this is a people business. You're on the road, you're selling, you're working with, you know, your, um, these vineyard owners, these family farmers, and but it is very much a people business. So I'm curious, do you get to know these truckers and say, hey, Fred, here's a yeah. C note, get us in the front of the line. Does that yeah. happen? I mean, well, you know, that's where I think Katie Wilson comes into play. She is, uh, she is so well-loved and respected and um, really has a great circle of, of trucking vendors and partners that she can tap into that, you know, it's never let us down. So Who's Katie? Who's this person? Yeah. So Katie is our consulting winemaker. So. Oh, that's right. You mentioned this earlier. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. So she, okay. Katie Williams. Yeah. That's on the website. She's your consulting winemaker. And how much time does she spend, you know, there 
Um, yeah, I would say I mean, we're we're a small client of her, so not much. You know, she is our our chemistry savant, our vineyard savant. She's just making sure that we're not messing up. Okay, <laughs> okay, fair and enough. Was, yeah, giving us some amazing direction and picking up um, where we, you know, we don't have the the know how and the knowledge. So, um, but every day is learning with her. I'm just curious: Are they as a consulting winemaker? Say like you have a stuck fermentation. I mean, are these yeah. people like doctors? Are they on call? Absolutely. Absolutely. She's the first person that we'll call and have a conversation with um, before we dabble with anything new. <laughs> all right. That's awesome. You got soup there crawling all over you. Let's talk about your golden doodle, Lord Sandwich. Um, you oh. got a wing that named after wine named after him. You got money you're giving back. Yep. Um, you got like this charity where socks are going to, you know, needy or homeless people, I'm assuming. But what's the story behind the name, Lord yeah. Sandwich? I mean, is he is he part British or something? Is he part yeah, of well, Parliament? It's, it's, or really, It's not that fancy. I was actually um, in 2010, a few years before he was born, I was I was managing a, an Italian wine dinner in Houston one night. I was living in Austin. And at the time I had a an older senior black lab, Hindley, that wasn't doing so well. And after this dinner, I got in my car and raced home, you know, two and a half hour drive at midnight in the dark. And I was starving because, you know, when you manage somebody else's wine dinner, you really don't ever eat. Yeah. Um, and my mind just started thinking about, oh, I should have put a sandwich in the car. And I was like, hey, how come I didn't learn the story about how the sandwich was named until I was an adult? And then I didn't even know that the geography existed until later in life, you know, so... And I just thought maybe one day it'd be fun to have a dog named Sandwich and you could tell all the kids in the world about, you know, how the sandwich was named. And, uh, you know, fast forward to 2010 and and uh, my Henley had passed away and I was talking with Eric's story. And I said, you know, I think one day I'd, if I ever get another dog and I'd love to, I think I'd love to name him Lord Sandwich. And Eric said, that's outstanding. You got to do it. So it's just kind of how it stuck. And then you know, ends up, we ended up eloping on the big island that was originally the Sandwich Islands. And Eric, before his wine career, ran a deli. So he makes a mean sandwich. So wow, there's, there's a fun little sandwich theme in our life, whether we uh, we didn't try. But uh, it's been really super fun. And he's a gift. He's a unique dog. And Socks or Sandwich came about because he's literally just a sock thief. He would steal socks off your feet out of drawers. Okay. And uh it just hit me one day. I was, you know, working in Austin. I saw the growth of of the Tom Shoes brand and fair trade and thought, gosh, you know, Tom started out with social entrepreneurship. You know, you buy a pair, we'll give a pair away. And that's really what gave us the idea of socks for sandwich. So we've been able to really very simply donate about 60,000 pair of new socks across the nation, a little bit in, in Europe as well. So Wow. So 60,000 socks annually? Yeah. No, not annually, across the board since we've started. 60,000, so. you donate 60,000 socks. Yeah. Okay, since you started. So we, you know, we accidentally started an uh, international charity as well as a winery. So, I mean, I could give a hundred hours a week to socks or sandwich and do a lot more with it. We're just not yet, not there yet with our time, our time. Share. Well, as, as, as business grows, you know, time management, maybe you can, you know, hire somebody to take care of that side of Absolutely. the business. Right. Absolutely. 
a lot of cool stories, you know, weaving through our uh, our conversation here. That's really cool. Uh, Lord Sandwich, I like that. I got to ask you, uh, as we wind down here, what's your favorite part of the job? I think hospitality. I think okay. uh, I'm actually getting to meet, you know, new new fans or old fans, just spending time with people talking about and telling our story. Definitely my favorite part. Um I think that is, uh, I like to be in our tasting room. Um, it's hard because I have a million other things going on. Um, but when I'm there, there's, I'm just calm <laughs> and I can focus, you know, and tell the stories all the way from the dirt to what's in their wine. And uh, what a pleasure to do that. You know, my my least favorite part is probably the counting part because <laughs> okay. a marketing person will admit that that's probably not their strength. Um, but I've come to really not enjoy, um, airport travel too. So airport travel and that, you know, just, just it, schlepping is just it, not fun anymore. It beats you up. I mean, there was one part of the year, I think it was last, was it last June, July? I think it was in over six, period of six weeks. I was in my flat maybe for two nights. Yeah. And, that's hard. Yeah. It's it. I mean, I, I enjoy it. I do enjoy it, but it does, you know, being out every day, every night. It, it wears on you, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you. Okay. And just for the people listening, just tell them again where they can go visit you. You're open Monday through Thursday in Healdsburg, the address and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. We're off of uh, West Side Road and Bacchus Landing Way. Um, our taste room's inside this beautiful new, um, very beautiful, kind of a Spanish looking, it reminds me of being in Portugal or Spain, this building. Um, and there's five tasting rooms um, inside this building, all separate. We all have our own different winery licenses there. Um, but a very middle kind of piazza central um, opening in the in kind of a little park in the middle. So um, it's a great place. People walk from downtown Healdsburg. It's not the safest walk, but it's it's 15 minutes. Um, but it's really the gateway into Dry Creek Valley. And then if you hang a left and go south, you're right there in the midst of the kings and queens of the Russian River Valley, too. So Right, right. No, it's, I, I love I love the town, but you're right. It's a good gateway. You got Russian River Valley right there. And then just to the north, you're in you're literally in Dry Creek Valley, yeah. which is yeah, which is really cool. Well, listen, Allie, I mean, I really love these stories. Great chat. I'm not I'm not going to let you go just yet. I got four questions for you. I call this the bin and Q&A. So give me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready to go? Ready. Here we go. I like that cap, by the way. You do a nice mm -hmm. job branding there on that baseball cap or the or the trucker's hat. What's your go-to quaffing wine this week? Um, well, probably this week because of the heat, our 2022 Sauvignon Blanc. It's a beauty. Absolutely. Uh uh, how many cases of that did you make? Yeah, I bumped a little bit over 600 cases. So wow. Okay. Just that in March, and we're down to the last probably 100 cases of it. So it's it's a it's a it's a fast mover, a fast drinker, and a a true love letter to Loire. I mean, it's a little bit of Sancerre, but I think the minerality in it has a little bit more of a Puy Fumé influence. So. so so any any barrel fermentation, or is it all stainless steel? All stainless, however, about just a few weeks before we bottled, we drained about three barrels worth of Sauvignon Blanc and let it set in some neutral white uh, Bordeaux barrels. And then we blended that back in right before bottling. So first time we've ever done that. So no fermentation, but just it softened it a tiny bit. Right. Um, 
But uh, it's it's one of those wines that's got somebody said it has snacky acidity, and I love that. That's a cool that's good snacky acidity. I like that. What was the dream job as a kid? Yeah, gosh, a dream job. Oh gosh, probably I wanted to be Barbara Walters. <laughs> you wanted to be Barbara Walters. Okay, you want to interview people. Yeah, I love that. And then I was a radio TV major at Baylor in college. And I kind of went down that path, but I'm not a morning person, as I told you in the very beginning, you know, all all these years later and uh, didn't do so hot having to, you know, be at a TV station and chase the news at two or three in the morning. So, yeah, and I couldn't do that either. There's no way. This is why I don't fish either. Forget it. Yeah. No, not at all. Living or dead. Maybe this is your next answer as well. Living or dead, if you could, you could invite, if you could invite any celebrity living or dead to share a bottle of your 2022 Smith Story Wine Cellars Brave Carbonic Macerations in with, who would that be? Oh, that would be RBG, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You know, she was an avid wine lover and um, often, you know, uh, I thought of her a lot during all my breast cancer treatment. Um, she did not have breast cancer, but she fought cancer for many years. Yeah. Um, you know, sitting in that chair and making a lot of amazing decisions and important decisions for women. And uh, what a pleasure it would be to sit with her and, and pour her a glass of wine that I made. Um, even if you come to our tasting room, we have a, a mural that we painted um, in our on our outside patio wall. And to honor RBG, we have uh, a little a little painting of her bit, but the very top of that mural across the, across the wall. So. I like that answer. Amazing woman sat on the bench for a very long time, uh, extremely powerful. And she seemed pretty cool as well. Somebody to definitely look up to great answer. Money, no object. Last one, money, no object. Which bottle of California wine would you open with dinner tonight? Cannot be one of yours. Gosh. Um, Money, no object. It's really more about the fine, the get. If I could get my hands on a literai Savoy Vineyard Pinot Noir, I'd open that tonight for sure. Beautiful Pinot Noirs. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful Pinot Noirs. Ted Lemon, legend. Great answer. All right. Well, Ellie, thank you very much for your time. I know I was running, I was running late today coming back in from a from a meeting, but you're not a morning person. So it worked out, I think. It worked, okay. out. <laughs> it worked out. But listen, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. It was a great chat. All right. Well, cheers to you and hope we cross paths next time you're over on the West Coast. So I'm definitely going to come to your tasting room. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Jack. Talk to you soon. I want to thank Allie for being on the road with me this week. Another awesome story of someone living the American dream. In this case, Allie's dream, launching her own wine label, a startup, Smith Story Wine Cellars. I find her story inspiring that strangers, now wine club members, have the faith in Eric and Ellie and their business plan to help them get off the ground via crowdfunding. And you have to love the Lord Sandwich story, the story about their dog, a golden doodle who's the winery's mascot and CCO, Chief Charity Officer, who is the face of SocksForSandwich.org. And as of today, Lord Sandwich's charity has donated over 60,000 pairs of new socks to families in need across the United States. For all you dog lovers, visit smithstorywinecellars.com and purchase a bottle of the 2021 Smith Story Wine Cellars Lord Sandwich Sauvignon Blanc. And finally, thinking like a true Texan, Allie thinks big 
In her words, go big or go home. And I'm confident that Allie and Eric will grow Smith Story Wine Cellars to a 50,000 case brand. Now it's time for Wine of the Week. And my pick this week is Allie's 2022 Smith Story Wine Cellars Brave Carbonics Infidel from the Russian River Valley. This scent is gorgeous with crunchy and racy flavors of blueberry, raspberry, boysenberry with hints of spice. I'm a sucker for a good Zen, and Allie's Zen takes all the right boxes. And I love the label's name, Brave, because Allie is a fighter, a brave person. You have to be brave to start your own business, maneuver through COVID to survive a very trying time for all businesses, all while fighting cancer. And Allie has not only come through these past two years stronger, more importantly, Allie is cancer-free. Visit smithstorywinesellers.com to join their mailing list, buy their wine, and the next time you're in Healdsburg, visit the Smith Story Wine Cellars Tasting Room. And I have some Sonoma trivia for you. Did you know that Sonoma translates to Valley of the Moon? The Pomo, Coast Miwok, and Wapo peoples were the earliest human settlers of Sonoma County between 8,000 and 5,000 BC. Eat your heart out, History Channel. And finally, did you know that a one-acre vineyard, on average, produces almost 4,000 bottles of wine? That's a pretty cool fun fact, don't you think? And thank you very much for being on the road with me this week. And I hope you enjoyed our chat with Ali Smith's story. Before I sign off, I want to thank Wendy LaMare, owner of the Disco Ranch in Boonville, for introducing me to Allie. Wendy, see you in September. If you want to learn more about startups, go back to Season 3, Episode 51, and check out my conversation with Rebecca George. And I'll be back next week, on the road with Tim Atkin, Master of Wine. Yes, Tim will actually be on next week. If we can't hop on a flight to California, I'll bring California to you. It would be awesome if you could share this podcast with your friends. See you next week on the road with Mr. California Wine. Take it easy. <laughs>